Hello, how do you make your website do your PR for you? Okay, I don't mean all of it, but some of it. That's the main focus of this week's episode. But I also have another surprise this week. You know I speak to PR people all the time. Some of the ideas and conversations I have can really get me thinking. And I figured if those help me, maybe they could help you. But this is not an interview show. So what I thought I'd do is share some of the bits of some of these chats I have. So imagine this week that you had to organize the PR for an event where everyone there had the same ultimate goal and aim, but were all approaching it in different ways with different skills. I'm talking to the lead PR for just such an event. That's all coming up this week and lots more in the Public Relations Podcast and Newsletter. I'm Richard Midson, and for the past 25 years, I've been involved in the communications world. It's included being a duty radio news editor for one of the UK's biggest news organisations, the presenter of the Drive Time Show on London's only all-news radio station in evenings, a YouTuber who created a channel which gained 1.6 million views, and a public relations officer for the leader of the third largest group in the European Parliament. My career has been about finding new ways to do things that cost others thousands and require huge teams for them and then replicate them with none of their resources. And this is a show that is all about that. I now talk on the topic and make this podcast too. It's all about punching way above your weight in modern PR. Welcome back. I'm back in Southwest London. I'm not in the South of France anymore. What a shame. That was an absolutely beautiful spot I was recording last week's episode. But next week, I'm going to be in Portugal and I'm going to try and record it there. The question this week, though, is this. I want you to imagine the next website you open today, whether you're on your way to work now or you've got something on your browser. Just imagine that the next website you opened spoke to you. Imagine it said hello and then answered the questions that you had for the reason that you were visiting the site. And it answered those questions politely and accurately and then sent you on your way with a smile on your face. Sounds like public relations, right? That's what PRs do. But can a website do it? Can a website build a connection with a human and put a smile on our faces? I don't know about you, but in this modern era, with so many corporate websites being hard to navigate and at times infuriating, I would love to go off an angle and mention some specific companies right now, but I won't. Websites and PR often feel like they just can't mix. But what I want to show you today is how they can. And I need to put my hands up here and admit some bias here because for 35 years, I think it is, since I was about the age of 15, I've been a secret coder, a computer coder. I've written all kinds of website platforms over the years for fun. You know, some people like doing crosswords. I like coding. That's just me. And for many years, I've been in contact with WordPress, a platform that has been a part of the business I was involved in when I was a partner in a PR firm. And it's still something that I'm involved in today through my work. So today I want to try and share some of that experience with you on how you can design your site to be part of your PR. The first point I want to make is to try and think about websites a bit differently to perhaps how you have done in the past. You know, to many people, websites are a place to put their organization's information. So they write a series of pages, they add a menu, and then hope that a visitor will click the right link and find that. Now, if people just need information or they want to read long text, then it may well work. But PRs are not librarians, right? The job of a PR is to draw people into something, whether that be the website or an event or whatever, and engage them on an emotional level. So how can we do that 
with a website? How can we advise the website team to make a website work? So I want you to think of your organization's website instead as a potential conversation. So when someone arrives on the homepage, on that front page, they're going to have a reason for visiting, right? They're not just a generic person. They have a reason, they have a motivation. Think for a moment what it is for your organization. In fact, let me, let me pause for a moment and just think about the top two reasons that people come to your website. Why is it for you? There's probably more, but just, just think for two top reasons for a moment. I'll shut up for a couple of seconds, let you think about that. Did you come up with them? If not, have a think later. But you know, I don't know your work, but let me give you an example if you were struggling to think of something there. Say I heard you as a PR talking about book covers on a podcast that focused on the publishing industry. There's a good chance if I heard you on there that I'm visiting your site now after hearing you because I want to know more about book covers, right? Obvious. Now, some sites have a sort of get started here button, but others will literally have a couple of buttons that ask people why they're visiting to address that interest. So in this particular case, a button that says, here's more on book covers, or did you just hear that podcast on book covers? Now, if you think about it, it's no different to the way we start a conversation. We ask people an initial question, gauge which way they want to go, and then we ask follow-up questions from there. So then you add a link. Like any button on any website, when you click that link, it opens another page, right? But on this page, it should focus on that topic they've selected. So if someone arrives asking about book covers, there is no point talking about spell checkers. The page should speak to their interest and carry on that conversation because by making it relevant, we're engaging them. So what we're doing here is we're funneling down bit by bit on what they say, depending on what link they selected. So instead of having everything on one page and expecting them to find what they might be interested in in there and relying on them and their energy to find that, all we've actually done, instead of having one long load of text on our website, we've broken up one page into multiple pages to gear it up for what they actually care about. Now, this might sound like a bit of effort, but think about it. Because with each click they make, you're not just showing relevant content to them, you're also gathering information about them. What motivates them? what they want, all this from a static website. So the first point I want to make today is that websites can have conversations and learn from your site's visitors quite easily. As we know in PR, the more connection you build, the more relevant your content is, the more people warm to you and ultimately take action. So point one, think about your website not as a static website, but as a conversation. What's next? My second point is about triggering emotion, a key part of PR. But can a website do that? It can't, surely. Yes, it can. Let me tell you a story. I remember listening to a podcast about public speaking in the car a few years ago. I was driving right across Britain to uh, Wales at the time. And the presenter demonstrated his expertise with various stories about what he did. And then he said, would you like to know how much you could charge as a public speaker based on your topic and experience? For sure. I thought, yeah, okay, I'm interested. He gave me an easy-to-remember website URL. So when I finished my journey, I went there on my phone. The website had a series of questions that I'd been primed to expect because he'd said there were a series of questions on there. And there were enough of them as well to make sure that I felt like I was investing a little bit of time in getting to an answer. So I didn't want to just leave after I'd answered the first few. Then I got to the last page, and sure enough, it asked me for my email address. 
in quotes, in order to send the result to me. It could have done that on the website, but we all know the reason for this. So I gave it. I was curious by this point, and it told me I could charge $2,500 per talk. If only I could. I'm not allowed to by my current work contract. In fact, all the talks I'm doing right now are free. But anyway, it made me feel good. And that was the point. It was about triggering emotion. And if you think about it, no online tool can work out how much to charge properly. How can it possibly? How could it read the market? But it made me feel excited, engaged, and involved. It made me listen to the podcast more as well. There's a reason you see all these personality tests on websites and calculators, whether it be to calculate your tax or the rates you could charge as a speaker. They provoke emotion and engagement, which is what PRs do. There are plugins you can use that allow you to set up these sorts of surveys and calculate a result. I've added a few links to those into the newsletter this week. And if you want to do more than just capture an email, then maybe you want to add more of these tools. You know, your website doesn't have to just be a static site that people visit once. It could be a resource that people come back to over and over again because it has useful tools on it. As we know from sales, again, the more time people experience a brand, the more likely they are to engage with it. So can a website create an emotional response? Yes, it can. Can it create emotion-based conversations? As I said in point one, yes, they certainly can. So my third and final point today is the power of websites to help your PR with data. Now, when we speak to people or do focus groups, we get all kinds of answers, right? People say what they believe often in a moment or one person can easily lead others and influence others. But when you look at website data, you start to find out what people actually want. Where did they click? Where did they go after that? What did they click next? Did they look at our book cover section or go to our about page or subscribe to our show? What were they really interested in? What messages on the site connected with them? What did they want to hear? When we meet people who are interacting with our organization face-to-face, -face, it will always be influenced by where we meet them, such as events. You know, events attract certain types of people, but websites have a much wider reach. They're open to anyone. So if 95% of our website visitors are over 30, but the people who actually sign up are 20-year-olds, the people that get to the end of our funnel and actually sign up or do whatever we want them to do, then we know our marketing is reaching the wrong people. There are quite a few different ways of tracking this data, and I will say from the start that it is not quick to set up or read. But once it's set up, then it goes on working automatically for you, and then all you need to do is have a look at the charts. Now, Google Analytics is free. Luckily, Google provides training for it because it is a bit of a mind-bender. It's the kind of thing you want to probably spend a couple of weeks just taking your time over to try and digest it all. But there's plenty of resources out there. And again, I've put some links in the newsletter this week as well. So let's round up. The fact is your organization's website can be an important part of your PR. By designing the site to filter the flow, giving that conversation that provides emotional responses to them, and tailors this with data, your website can be a new member of your PR team. It doesn't matter what platform you're using. Yeah, I'm biased. I use WordPress. But any website platform, in theory, should be able to do this as long as it's got the flexibility to collect the data and do all these tools and stuff like that. So ask yourself this. If someone came to your organization's website today, as it is now, what one thing could you do differently that would allow your site to say hello to them and engage them and draw them in. What could you improve one thing this week? As I say, I've added some more resources and links in the newsletter, which you can sign up to at thepublicrelationspodcast.com, thepublicrelationspodcast.com.
newsletter.com. Just click on the big button at the top and that will take you through to the newsletter sign up. Right. On Friday this week, I'm going to be standing on the main stage at one of the world's biggest WordPress events, talking about the power of podcasting. Had a project studying major podcasters for several years, a few years ago, and I'm going to be talking about the way that the podcast market has grown dramatically. Now, as I said earlier, I'm involved with WordPress, so I'm a little bit biased here, but I think it is a genuinely fascinating platform because it is built by a community of volunteers with thousands of people contributing different bits of code to this one massive organism but when you try and draw these people together that also means you've got a huge mixture of people with different personal motivations different skills different ways of expressing themselves and because it's a voluntary organization beyond a code of conduct there's no real orders as to how you have to be it's like a living organism which presents quite a challenge from a pr point of view if you're trying to promote this event now, I was having a chat with Evangelia Papa last Friday from her home in Greece. Again, it demonstrates the global nature of this community. And Evangelia is the lead PR for WordCamp Europe. And I thought, okay, I really want to ask her, as part of our chat that we were having about all kinds of things, a bit for the show about how she manages this aspect of the different range of people there. So we press record for a little bit of it, and I'm going to share that with you now. The first thing that really strikes me about this event, Evangelia, is how diverse the audience is because if you're organizing a corporate event with like company staff you've got people who are all kind of coming from a similar mindset but the wordpress community is so diverse isn't it how do you how do you cope with that i, I will explain that with my experience so when i first met the community i was simply a blogger just for fun yeah i i had nothing you were to do part with of WordPress. the community yeah 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 i was you know Let's see what WordPress is and what this community is. I, I see they have a meetup in my city. Okay, let's go meet people and see what, what this is about. And basically what I realized is that you can help to the community, no matter where you come from, what, no matter what your background is, your age, your uh, knowledge, your skills and stuff like that. So because I was working as a radio producer at that point and as a journalist for several media in my city, I was requested to write the press releases for <laughs> the meetups. You um, were the journalist, so, basically, in the room at the time, weren't you? Yes, I, so <laughs> I was writing the, the announcements, basically, not exactly yeah. press releases at that point. So yeah. uh, we have people coming from different countries, especially in Europe. It's different countries, different cultures, different backgrounds, different religions. People think that communities that have to do with tech are only about developers. Yeah. The team heard about the bigger picture. At first, you need to see exactly what are the news that you want to share with the people. It is a big word come, so definitely you want to sell tickets, for example. This is the call to action. Yeah. Or you need to sell sponsorships because without the sponsors, this event cannot take place. So you need to explain to people what its call is. For example, we need sponsors. And from a peer perspective, you have to talk not only to the companies that sell hosting, they sell plugins or something related only to WordPress, but there are also companies that might wish to sponsor because they like the community. For example, I'm not quite sure which country it was, but there was a WordCamp that had an automobile company sponsoring. 
because they really liked the community. They didn't sell anything around WordPress. They didn't make money from WordPress, yeah. but they were like, you know what? I like WordPress. We have built our website on WordPress and it's amazing. So yeah, I want to give some money to support this community. So how do you pitch the message then? Because what I'm hearing there is that you've got, again, so many different interests and ways of connecting with a lot of different people. This isn't just about saying, come along to your annual company conference. So how do you find the core messages for this event? It's not a corporate event, which is the most important. If it was a corporate event, it should be more official language. And as we're saying, Greece, a wooden language, yeah. which is, you know, not so much fun. It's a community and community itself is fun. When, for example, we have a call for sponsors and tell people, you know what, we need your money and you uh, are getting something out of this. You will pitch to the companies the exact benefits that they are going to get since they are companies that are related to WordPress. But at the same time, if it is a company that is not related to WordPress, you need to explain what the community is, what the event itself is, because they might not be uh, familiar with WordPress related events, not even local events like meetups or, or local WordCamps, but even the flagship ones that are really huge and um, therefore you need to take the word out there tell them what exactly we are doing and why we are doing it what is that line what's the core of that line that you you get across there you know you have to explain it first what wordpress is because people might be using it and not knowing they are using it yeah you know it's 42 percent of the websites all over the world that are published on the internet and your website might be one of them so there is a huge community of active users that are keeping this active and live because without the people, we wouldn't have WordPress. Without the community, WordPress wouldn't be existing the way it is at the moment. It's the people, it's the contributors that keep updating it, that keep translating it in different languages, which is very important too. And it's definitely all about the people. So you have to talk to the people. I Even love that. It's almost like this. Yeah. It, it's almost like this secret society that is running these websites for forty-two percent of all websites, and I'm about to open the door and show you who they are, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you might be one of them, and you don't yeah. know it. Is there so, one thing that you really remember from your years being involved in these WordCamps, which has really helped the WordCamp events to stand out? I think, in a PR perspective. I have realized that the community needs uh, simple things. Yeah. Don't use crazy difficult words, whether it's in your language or it's in English, for example. Let's say I'm, I'm doing something for a local event that is going to be in Greek. I won't use language that is really official. I will talk to a person. I will talk to you. I will write a press release for you and for everyone else that is going to read it. Because when you read it, you know I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to someone in general. I'm not talking to someone that might read this. I'm talking to you and you're going to read this. Because it is for you. I wrote it for you. And you, you can feel that I wrote it for you. And just finally, what's been the absolute highlight of your involvement in PR with WordCamps? What's been the greatest moment for you? Well, the greatest moment, I have to admit, is uh, leading the PR team for WordCamp Europe. I've been with the PR team since 2019, and I've learned a lot from my then leader, Didi. Uh, she was an amazing person. I, I consider people that I'm working with as mentors because you learn so many things, even when you are volunteering. 
I've got to interject there. You're so right, because I think one of the things with PR and comms is you just can't learn it from a textbook. You can learn theory, but until you see people do it and feel that nuance of what works and how people react, you just you just can't get it. You've got to do it. And it's not only, you know, that you cannot read a handbook or a textbook to learn how to do it. Mm -hmm. It's also not that somebody is going to tell you how to do it. You know, uh, you have to do this and it will be successful. This is not going to happen. Yeah. You, you have to follow the trends, but at the same time, you have to find your own way to communicate with people. Yeah. Because everybody communicates in a different way. Exactly. And there is not just one way that is correct. And you can see that on social media also when you are creating posts. It doesn't have only to do with the audience. I mean, okay, we're targeting people when we have to make an advertisement and we're checking ages and we're checking locations and we're checking what is their job and what are their skill sets and what is their interest. But at the same time, it's not only the audience, it's also the way you decide to communicate things. Mm. Maybe you have four companies, for example, that wish to communicate their new hosting packages and they do have the same audience and they do have very similar packages, but they have to find a way to communicate this to people that are the potential customers. Mm. I won't tell you that one of these ways is wrong, but yeah. one of these ways will be more successful. And the one that will be most successful will be the one that is truthful and is talking to the customers. And for example, when I say truthful, even when you make a mistake, admit it. Yes. This is very important. Yeah. You build trust with people. Mm -hmm. You can build trust through social media, yeah. but you have always to stay true to your heart. That is perfect advice. That's perfect advice. Are you, are you ready for the event then? A week to go? Yes, I mean, we're definitely excited about I'm looking it. forward to uh, seeing you. Yeah. I have already packed my bags and I'm ready and flying. <laughs> I haven't done that just yet, but it sounds like it's going to be an absolutely fantastic event. I'm really looking forward to coming along to it. I hope you found that interesting. That's the first little clip of a conversation, one of the many conversations I have to do with PR every week. If you found that interesting, you'd like more of those sorts of things, do let me know. And if you're involved in PR and would like to join me for a chat as well, then do let me know. If you're listening to the show already, it would be wonderful to have you on if you can share some tidbits that we can share with other people. Right, finally, we need to wrap up with dates for the diary. Chocolate. World Chocolate Day, 7th of July. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. If your organisation is food-based, then it's an easy one, isn't it? But if not, think beyond the obvious. There are plenty of tourism angles. If you're involved with any country that produces it, likes it, or is famous for it, you know, Switzerland or Belgium or whatever. If you're a science organization, then I've seen articles on the chemicals in it in the past. Or if you have nothing to do with chocolate at all, someone using your product while biting into a large bar of chocolate could be a quirky one for social anyway. The hashtag for that is World Chocolate Day. World Chocolate Day, it's on the 7th of July. And World Emoji Day. All those little characters that we put in our messages. Gosh, I was about to say text messages. Do, does anyone still text? The 17th of July, why not share a message in emoji, for example? There's several free emoji translators out there online. A quick Google should bring them up or a photo of someone in the office or on a campaign with a big emoji over the image to express their feelings with a hashtag, of course. The hashtag is hashtag World Emoji Day. World Emoji Day. I've got links as usual for that in the newsletter. 
Rounding up, I am going to be in Porto on Friday, but I'm really not going to have much time now, unfortunately. But I'm going to be in Athens in Greece between the 27th of June and the 1st of July, if you're around at all then. And I'm going to be in Melbourne, Australia from late September. No agenda needed. As always, I say this because it really is. I just want to learn what you need from this show. And I want to pick up any tips that you've got that I could be passing on to listeners of this show and readers of the newsletter as well. Next time, you may be seeing me posting on social media because I'm doing a bit of an experiment with influencer techniques. Now, I'm not expecting to build a huge following on those social platforms that I've neglected so badly over one week, but I am going to be using and testing techniques of making videos and how to make them quicker and easier. So I'm going to be sharing that with you soon, but also I'm going to be talking about the power of public speaking as well for a second time after I do that event and sharing some of the lessons with you because there's so much I could share already. Gosh, there's so much coming up on the Public Relations Podcast and Newsletter. I hope you have an amazing week. Do let me know what you think. Do take part in that survey, by the way. If you sign up to the newsletter, I really need more feedback on that. There's been some great ones so far, but I want to make, get as many as I can. I'm rambling. Let's call it a wrap. Have a wonderful week, and I'll speak to you soon.